Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 24 of the Yardback Sports Podcast. Today, we have a bit of an abbreviated backyard briefing, and we have an awesome, awesome interview with award-winning sports broadcaster, David Glenn. So make sure to stick around for that. We had a great interview with him. We talked a lot of sports. It was awesome. So thank you all so much for listening, and let's go. I go by the name of Jermaine Dupree. Dope man fresh in the place to be. And All right, boys, how you doing today? Uh, great. Nolan did not do that intro justice. The man we just had on, David Glenn, uh, once-in-a-lifetime experience for the three guys like us who, who started this podcast in the middle of COVID pandemic yeah. just to, to keep in touch more. Um, just had a, a serious giant in, in the true sense of the word. Um, just blessed us with his presence for a good hour and a half with some awesome sports talk. Learned a lot just talking to the guy. Um, it, really neat opportunity. So like Nolan said, um, check that interview out because it, uh, it, was, it was really cool. Covered every yep. spectrum of sports you can. So I'm, I'm on a high right now. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's going to be a fun backyard briefing after recording that interview with David Glenn. Yep. yep. So because the interview was, uh, it did run pretty long for good reasons, obviously. We do have a little bit of abbreviated backyard briefing. I know, you, I know everyone's used to us talking for 50 minutes about <laughs> the stupid stuff we think of. But this week, you get to hear a lot of a really smart guy that has intelligent things to talk about. So we're going to keep our stupid stuff brief, brief this week in the backyard briefing. So first, let's go to Sean. What are you sipping on this week? All right. So I've talked to Connor about this off, off air. Right. I am rewatching Breaking Bad for the second time. It is the best written show ever to grace the television. No one can tell me otherwise. It's the greatest show ever written. Period. I don't even want to hear what you guys have to say. We can move on to someone else's. Carter, <laughs> back shoulder fade. I'm, I'm oh, no, no, no. Back shoulder fade is meant for 50 50. This is a sure proof. I'm sipping on oh, how great Breaking gotcha. Bad is. Okay. There's no debate. So we can move on to the next thing. I have never seen the full show, which I know I get <sighs> scoffed on. at a lot for that. Um, yeah, I watch it. I just, you guys ever like, uh, like your friends love something so, so much. And maybe it's when, you, when you're younger, they love it so much and you just didn't get into it right away. So it's just kind of like, yeah, like women to. for you. So like when I, when I, my, my friends all watched that back in middle school. And I just didn't. So now I'm sitting here in college. And I'm just like, I just don't, it doesn't, eh, I don't know. They didn't really Watch get it, me. but I know how good it is. I, I know I'm, I'm a bum for not watching it, but I definitely got it. It's all right. I'm sipping on that. It's just, it's better the second time around, man. It really is. I believe you. I believe you. Brian Cranston's the goat. I love Brian Cranston. Brian right, so really, really quick on that. Yeah. Sean, have you seen the movie El Camino? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Are you gonna watch that again too? At the end Absolutely. of it all? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Then I'm gonna then I'm gonna try to find season five of Better Call Saul. If anyone knows how to get that, it's not on Netflix yet. Um, hit me up in the group chat. Tell me how to get season five of Better Call Saul. So Nolan, off. I think you're going to me next. Am I right, Mister yes, Host? Yes, I am. So my beverage cart. I just had a late edition, as we all know. I have my ba- my backyard briefing is Mister Wildcard. 
it it fringes on chouse every week we'll just say that but a late bev card addition based off of sean's is i took an uber last weekend what i i'm getting totally lost i was talking to someone i work with and i don't know why i compared them to uber or whatever i'm talking to someone i work with <laughs> and we we found like a bond over narcos breaking bad and okay. similar shows like that on yeah. netflix that are just yeah. badass drug related i don't know why we like drugs so much but i i said i was like oh yeah like you know have you seen el camino he said what's el camino i'm like the movie that pretty much ends the Breaking Bad series. And this guy's jaw hit the floor. He's like, wait, there's a movie that Stop wraps it. up the Breaking Bad series? I was like, yeah, dude, yes. you have to watch it. Because the biggest, not mystery, but the loose end was what happened to Jesse Pinkman. Right, exactly. So I was just, that's my Bev cart. One of my Bev carts. It's like 0.5 of my Bev cart. Nice. Is that I was able to share that news with somebody. My, there you go. My, my Bev cart I had before Sean's semi-okay Bev cart was... <laughs> The Yadier Molina video of him getting after it with a, a top prospect in spring training. So for those of you who haven't seen it, this top prospect gets on the first base somehow, I forget. And he's over there. He's a, he's a faster top five prospect. Um, I don't want to say top five, but he's a top prospect. He's got some speed on him. A little cocky, young kid. And he's over there dancing around on first base like any of us speed demons would, myself yeah. included. Um, <laughs> and Yachty whips back and throws to first base after he, he receives a pitch. For all of you who don't know, Yadier Molina is probably the greatest catcher, for sure top five in the history of MLB, um, but quickly solidifying his, his legend. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to throw back, throws back at this kid. This kid prospect shakes his head, waves his finger, saying, no, 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 like you can't do that, Yachty. And so y- Yachty responds with, with urging him to steal second base in the video. Literally like, okay. like- like getting his glove and saying, all right, go, like, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Molina called that surefire hall of famer, top five catcher of all time. No doubt says, okay, okay. Prospect. Why don't you steal second base? Huh? Come on. Steal second base. I think it was like three or four pitches later. The, the dude ends up stealing on a changeup. Yadier Molina, without breaking a sweat, throws an absolute seed right at second base. Uh, shortstop doesn't have to move at all. It, it just, I'm sipping on that big because baseball's on its way back. I know we, we poo-poo on baseball sometimes. It's not the most exciting sport. But just thinking back to that springtime baseball field yeah. and feeling that energy in the air that is a baseball dugout, I'm sipping on that big this week because um, it could be argued I was a better dugout player than f- player in the field all these years. Yeah, me too. So I'm honestly. just sipping on that, that spring feeling once again and that Yadier Molina yeah. video of just, I'm still king shit, you're a young prospect, please step yeah. off my field. Yeah, Yadi he also was out by a mile. Yadi had him by a mile, and then mm-hmm. after that, he kind of sk- he kind of stared the dude down too. Like, like oh, yeah. what I tell you, I told you don't. I told you to steal. What I tell you? <laughs> so yeah, that was awesome. Uh, my bev cart this week is about March Madness. We're gonna talk about this a lot uh, later again with our uh, interview with Dave Glenn. We're touching on a lot of March Madness, but I'm sipping on the new schedule this year, guys. So I don't know if you notice. Um, so normally, what they do is the first four games are played Tuesday and Wednesday night of like the week. And then Thursday marks the first day of round 64. And then Friday is the second day. And then round of 32, Saturday, Sunday. Well, this year, Thursday is going to be all the first four games. And then Friday morning, the round of 64 starts. And then Saturday, the second day of round of 64. And then Sunday and Monday, round of 32. So I love it. I love this. Because in the past, it would just be the end of the week into the weekend, March Madness, it's the greatest high of your sports viewing year, essentially. 
but then Sunday night hits and you get the Sunday scaries and you're like, damn, I got to go to work tomorrow. And it just sucks. But now this year there's games on Monday and Tuesday nights. So it extends into the week. Now all of a sudden you finish watching an exciting round of college basketball, March madness. You wake up Wednesday morning. You're, you're already halfway back to the next round. It's perfect. I love it. So I'm sipping on the new schedule this year for March madness. I hope they stick with this. Yeah. I mean, that sounds good. After our interview with DG, um, I'm actually finding myself getting, getting kind of hyped for March Madness. Uh, I wasn't before, but I'm, I've been hyped for weeks, there. dude. I've been hyped for weeks. Yeah, a little teaser. Michigan State going all the way, according to our expert, David Glenn. Mm. Preston. All right, let's move on to the bonfire. Sean, we're just going to a bonfire this week. The, the hype over the Blake Griffin signing for the Nets. I'm, th- I'm throwing everyone hype over that. Why? Because what? Blake Griffin is going to help a team that was already going to make the finals make the finals. The finals isn't going to come down to Blake Griffin. They were already going to make the finals. They were already probably going to win a championship if they're clicking on all cylinders. We're not going to look back and say, man, if Blake Griffin was healthy. I don't know why people are losing their minds over this. I mean, he hasn't dunked since, like, no years. Like, I don't know. The hype over it, it's like you're – a team that was going to the finals added a piece. They're still already going to the finals. Like, why are we hype over this? Yeah. It's not the Blake Griffin. He's not soaring over people. He has you know a lob I mean? city, Blake. He's not jumping over Kia's, which was one of the most overrated dunks in a dunk I agree. contest. He jumped I over the hood, anybody. dude. Jump over the he car. Jump over the hood. Jump he, over the, he I'm not saying I jumped could, over the headlights. But... Oh, I could jump over the hood. I couldn't dunk. I could jump. I could like jump onto the hood and then like jump up, but I could I jump, could over, jump it. over it. My feet, my, my heels might, might hit the other end. I might fall, but I mean, I could get 80% you, over You could it. at least kind of, yeah, as long as you kind of clear it. I mean, it, it counts, you know? Yeah. The Blake Griffin hype to me, it's just what? We'll, we'll like, see. We'll see. I mean, it, it has another dimension to the team. Yeah, it's another, it's not, I mean, it's, it, they if were, he regains any sort of his old form, then it's just obviously a major plus. But yeah, I, I, I do three agree, weeks though. ago, Three weeks ago, they were going to the finals, right? Yeah, now today now they're, they're still going to the finals. They're still going to the finals, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. That's true. No, I'm with you on that. Connor, we're still in the bonfire this week. This week, sticking on the NBA, I'm throwing in the All-Star Game jerseys. Oh, yeah. I, good one. What? I like those. Yeah. You like them? Dude, they yeah, were good. Yeah, First cool. of all, I had Kia, a foreign car company on the on – the, was it Kia? I don't know. Either way, I hate No, I think it was. I think it was, yeah. I think it was Kia. They're like NBA's biggest sponsor. Dude, they were they didn't make any sense. Like usually no. they, they have some theme and they were just blue and yellow this well, year. Well, it was because it's supposed to be in Indiana. The game. Really? Yeah, it was supposed to be in Indiana, but when they canceled it, they moved it to Atlanta just as like a temporary site for this year. So that's why they were they they were pacer themed. And they so couldn't change thirty they jerseys. They couldn't well, change jerseys. I mean that's too hard. That's too well much. they probably had them all made. We know what's going on on Mars. But yeah, that's they true. Can't change jerseys. That's true. That's true. So yeah, those jerseys are going to my bonfire. I, I, I like I saw it on Twitter. I think the best jerseys you can do for an All Star event would be going back to letting them wear their own. I think that, that was the sweet. coolest thing back in the early two thousands when they let people yeah. just rock their team uniforms. Yeah. But as we know, the NBA is very smart when it comes to money and, and deals and business. So that, that'll never happen uh, yeah. because if you allow players to wear their original team uniforms, there's no incremental opportunity to sell a new jersey. Yeah, exactly. 
So for those of you out there that are on that note on Twitter, I had, which I, where should I got most of this bonfire from of, of people saying, Oh, they should go back to their OG jerseys. That's, that's never going to happen because yeah, the NBA just... knows that's a missed revenue opportunity. Cause some people out there, some 12 year olds going to go ask his mom if he can get an all-star game Jersey. Which um, I've never seen yeah, the appeal yeah. in my opinion. There is like, uh, I mean, it's all the way down cool. to the shoes too, though. I mean, you, you got people wear different sneakers. They have special, right. um, yeah. All-star game sneakers. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing. Connor's right. It's best. A, no, I agree. Best jerseys were in NBA Live 2005 All-Star game. game. I just remember playing as Jermaine O'Neal, scoring like 50 points in All-Star <laughs> Jermaine games. Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine, Jermaine that's O'Neal a throwback. He was the goat. O'Neal for some reason. Babyface Jermaine. Jermaine, yeah, Jermaine was the goat, dude. Um, but also All-Star game next year in Cleveland, so we're gonna get some wine and gold themed All-Star jerseys. Ew. Yeah, it's kind of gross. I, again, I, I've talked about this before. I absolutely hate our home jerseys, the Cavs. You guys don't hate them as much. I hate them with a burning passion. So I really hope we, like, change them, hopefully, because they suck. But the logo for the All-Star game looks pretty sweet. There's, like, we got, like, a star in it. It looks kind of dope. So looking forward to that. Maybe, maybe we can uh, make a trip to the game because uh, that would be probably a lot of fun. All right, my bonfire this week. This isn't necessarily a bonfire. This is just – you know, we're not talking about NFL this week, uh, so I kind of wanted to just talk about this for a second. So the Bucks franchise Chris Godwin today, um, and not that Godwin isn't a great player. He's a great, great addition. And, if, hey, if Tom Brady wants him there, Tom Brady's going to keep him there. It's that simple. But franchise tag and Godwin might mean that they can't sign Shaq Barrett. And I know they're, in, they're still trying to get a deal with Shaq Barrett, so it doesn't mean it's completely ruled out. But – Shaq Barrett and that pass rush won you that Super Bowl. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and Godwin's going to put up really good stats in the regular season, and he put up good stats in the postseason too. But when it comes down to it, I think a pass rusher is a lot more valuable on that offense that already has Mike Evans. Um, if you get rid of Godwin, you probably sign back A.B., uh, Gronk, Scotty Miller, maybe go get get someone in the draft. I, I, I feel like Barrett might have been the smarter choice to for sure lock down a contract now they still can but i think barrett should have gotten that tag yeah i agree with you on that one for sure especially how deep the wide receiver class is in the draft and the the appeals for trades because i know you guys saw the one rumor about odell uh getting traded there but i mean there's a guy like kenny galladay i mean he's not the he doesn't take the top off like godwin but there was options yeah barrett's just a beast he's a beast there's so many different things that get involved. Like, so Godwin might've got more money in the open market. So the bucks yeah. were probably like, we'll tag Godwin and Barrett. They might feel like they can get it a cheaper yeah. than open market deal. So it, it all depends on, you know, what the franchise thinks, but to your guys' point, I'm, I'm with you. I think keeping that defense together as, as proven by the Seahawks back in the day is a little bit more, I, I don't want to say smarter, but that defense held the Chiefs in, what, nine points in the Super Bowl? Yeah, it might, it might yeah. be more – it's more uh, important, I guess you would say. It's more pressing. It's, it, yeah. it seems like it should be the priority of – Right, it can get you back quicker than having an extra wide receiver that's elite. You know what I mean? So, I, I yeah. think – I'm always going to prioritize that defense. That, that unit that got you there, which in the Tampa Bay Bucks case is tough because, like, I, like, in my, my top ten, but really top five, they were number one. So like both units are elite, but I don't know. I I I think they had other options. Like Sean said, there's other options at wide out. Godwin's a great talent, but if they can't get back their deep, it's Barrett and someone else that they might not 
uh, Levante David's probably yes. going to walk now. Yeah. Yes, Levante. Yeah, they're going to lose one of those guys. And I think I would have rather kept both of those guys than kept Godwin. Yeah. And I think uh, I mentioned earlier, obviously we're not in the heads of these guys, but Tom, Tom Brady can win with nobodies. We've seen that in New England. But I don't, he just doesn't want to anymore, you know? He likes having Evans, Godwin, Gronk, AB. He likes making, ha- having his life a lot easier with great receivers. So I guarantee you Tom is like, no, nah, we're keeping Godwin. And we'll figure yeah. out defense, but well, at earlier, some point, Brady's gonna start needing help, you know. Yeah, well, and I, it, keeping that defense elite would be extremely important. Well, they signed Levante David to a two-year, twenty-five million dollar contract today. They did. Yeah, they signed Levante David, so Shaq's probably walking. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, the way I look at it is, even on that team, how it's made up. If you look, Godwin or what's it, Godwin or Goodwin? Godwin. I always get him mixed up. Um, Godwin, if you let him walk, you still have Mike Evans. You could probably bring back AB on a discount. Gronk will be there. You still have weapons. Now, how deep are you um, at the linebacker spot? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but keeping David is huge for them. To, to, yeah. To yeah, still huge. keep David, or sorry, Levante David and Devin White, two of the best cover linebackers in the league. That's a big reason why they were able to lock down the Chiefs because – they have guys that can guard over the middle. They can guard Kelsey and whatnot. So that was a huge move by them. All right, Sean, what's your back shoulder fade this week? All right, so we talk a lot about it in coming up with, with DG, but I do think a mid-major, and Gonzaga's, well, what did we talk about? It's technically a mid-major. Yeah, they're right? technically a mid-major, yeah. Besides them, I think a mid-major wins this tournament. Yeah, do you have any teams? Any teams in mind? I mean, there's, there's. I'm just <laughs> looking at the rankings. Uh, Creighton's up there. Loyola, Chicago. Um, is Houston considered mid major? Yeah, Houston. Yeah, okay. They're in the, the American okay. Conference. And Houston is spoiler alert. One of the teams, David Glenn said, take take a look yeah, at. Yep. There's some there's some statistics behind Houston that might might suggest there there. For our, for our fans out there that like to wager a little bit, Houston's one of four teams. David said, "Take a look at the yep. numbers are there." Yeah. So that's uh that's my back shoulder fade. Is a uh, technically a mid major team wins it. Yeah. And I th- I think I, I like how you excluded Gonzaga because that's kind of like a cop out almost. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, but uh no, I agree. I'm with you. I, I think it'd be exciting, especially if Houston goes deep and Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga goes deep. But uh I like that. I like that. Oh, I got I got a lot of love for mid majors. Got a lot of love from mid-majors. Yeah, go go, Canisius. Actually, I just watched my last Canisius men's basketball game ever. Uh, we lost last night in the first round of the MAC championship. Did you cry? So, no, but I was very sad. Um, that could be sad. Yeah, it sucks. We, we, we had some really good teams my freshman, sophomore year. One of our best players is actually currently playing for the Warriors G League, Isaiah Reese. Couldn't win the conference, though, with him, which is crazy for a mid-major team to have a player – damn near go to the NBA and you can't win yeah. with him. So that was a big missed opportunity, but uh, go the golden Griffins will be, will always be in my heart. All right. Kind of what's your back shoulder fade. Back shoulder fade this week is Bryson DeChambeau will never win a major championship. He is the softest dude I've ever seen when it comes down the stretch. I texted Sean and Nolan I think we maybe nine holes a goal go this weekend. Yeah. And I said, live back shoulder fade. Bryson loses this champion. It, I don't even, it was just like a, another PGA event. Yeah. 
Um, but he did do some cool stuff. He he drove that fat ass lake. Um, I did, I don't even remember the course. I watched it all weekend. I but you know he did that. That was a crazy drive over the water, and he like pointed up in the air after like. Yeah, it was badass. But like I could if all you had to do was carry three forty to clear the lake. So by transitive law, I'm I'm doing it. So I don't I don't know what the big stink about that was. Maybe it was that he birdied a hole after that. I probably could have done the same. But yeah. he I don't I know you guys aren't like the biggest golf watchers. Um but to and we've all played composure in golf is so key. Mm-hmm. And this guy, Bryson DeChambeau, he's such a dweeb. And every time something doesn't go his way, like he he like overshot the green by five or ten yards. And he go turns to his caddy and goes, "What? I didn't know that went." And I'm like, "Dude, shut up and just play your next shot, dude. Like, get over it. You're not. Yeah. I, I don't know. He just he just rubs me the wrong way. So I don't think he's ever going to win a major because I don't think he has the balls or kahunes to go down the stretch, wipe everything out of his mind, other than him putting the ball in the hole. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I I know I I suck at golf, and part of the reason why I suck so bad is because I get frustrated easily. And golf, you can't do that. You know, you you got to stay focused. You got to pretty much stay positive and just go to the next shot. So I'll take your word for it because I have heard this guy's kind of a hothead, and I don't know if hothead and golf really mix well together. I don't think that's a sport that uh, you really should be a hothead, and that's a good thing. Um, yeah. All right. I like that. I like that. All right. My back shoulder fade this week. And this is going back to like the all-star game thing theme. Uh, the dunk contest will never be entertaining again because everything has already been done. I don't know if you guys watched, but it just, it just sucked. It really just sucked. It was three guys that are very unknown in Cassius Stanley and Fernie Simons and Obi Toppin. Um, and it's just, it wasn't good. They didn't do anything insane. They didn't do anything crazy. And I don't know. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on, on if the dunk contest is even relevant anymore? If you don't have the stars. So example, if Obi Toppin does a windmill dunk, cool. If LeBron James does a windmill dunk, it's electric. Yeah, for sure. Right? That's why when Michael Jordan was there, like when all the, the stars were in the slam dunk contest, it was electric. I'm not getting hype for what was his name? What would the, the dude from Indiana? Cassius Stanley. I'm not getting hype. I don't care what he does. He could throw the ball up and do two backflips in a windmill. I would be like, dang. Like, it's just the star power is not there. If LeBron, KD, Paul George, like those guys, if they were in it, it would be electric. Yeah. They, they could do the same dunks these guys do. It would mean different. So as long as those guys aren't in it, it'll, it should just be over. It should just be done. It's like Steph Curry. When he hits a three, it's different, right? It's different from yeah, when Draymond yeah. hits a three. It's different. So, uh, nah, I think it's done. Unless stars start to come out, it's over. It's stupid. I feel it. And, and for me – I was excited to see just because we've now lived long enough to see someone in a dunk contest called Anthony with the original root name, Anthony. So I thought that was really cool. And he was fun to watch because he had the support of Dame Lillard. So during the – I thought that was a neat switch up doing it during the halftime show. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Um, And then once again, Nolan, I don't don't know if you guys caught the skills challenge. Yeah, oh, yeah. The big man reigned supreme. 
dude. All the guards don't care. The big men go out there with they want to win it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was cool. I, I, me and my friend are watching it, and we we both pick guys to win at the start, just like a little friendly competition. He's a Knicks fan, so we picked Julius Randle, and I pick. I'm like, all right, I'll go with CP3, the, the point god. No, out first round. Vucevic and Demontis Sabonis. I, I loved it though. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, it was I was watching it live and Kenny Smith goes it was Vucevic versus Chris Paul yeah and Sabonis versus Doncic yeah and Kenny Smith live on air goes oh I swear if both of these guards lose to these big men I'm walking off of TNT and not coming back and they lost exactly what happened and of course he stayed on the air but I think it was like Charles or Shaq was like you won't do it Kenny you won't do it Kenny (laughs) and Kenny's like oh Shaq I bet I'll do it that was a great that was a great Shaq voice actually thank you reminds a lot of Ginsburg but it's um (laughs) so I thought that it was fun also weekend is always it's never the it it never lives up to the talent expectations I think we put on it but it always lives up to the entertainment value. Yeah, for sure. Why we consistently come back to the NBA is just yeah. it's it's consistently entertaining, and that's all you can say about the NBA. Yeah, they're literally like too good. You know, they're too good to just like mess around and like play and make it entertaining. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just that good at the sport. Like Dame and Steph just pulling up from half court casually, like hitting like two of five mid game. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Like what what the hell? Yeah, like Milton told us back in the day, he's like, you don't – in practice, these guys shoot 75 to 90% in practice. Yeah, like they just yeah. don't miss ever. So you get to miss. the game, like in that sense, they're, they're wet. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, Connor, do you, know, uh, do you know the player that played back in the 90s? That's first name was Anthony? Mm, no, no. Penny Hardaway. Was his first name really Anthony? Yeah, his real name's Anthony. Yep, Anthony. Wow. How did you, know, you, know, you know that? How did I know that? I don't know, dude. I feel is that like, common knowledge? I think so. I thought it was. <laughs> is that common knowledge? Yeah, dude. Penny Hardaway's real name's Anthony. Uh, did you know Hardaway? I, I don't know. I just know there's a song named the Penny Hardaway called The Hardaway. And it's a banger. No, I've never heard that of that. Be, but. Uh, is that common knowledge? I, dude, it's, it was common to me, I suppose. I don't know why. I've like As soon as I like, well, because Penny Hardaway, I remember when I, when I was younger, I'm like, damn, that's a sick name, Penny. And I looked it up, and it was just Anthony. And, like, I always kind of just assumed, like, people just knew that. Uh, not me. I don't know, man. Google Google's a wonderful tool, wonderful tool, apparently. But, yeah, so, yeah, that was Anthony Penny Hardaway. That was the name. So, a little, little, uh, little uh, factoid for you. Yeah, thanks for educating me. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. <laughs> All right, now we welcome on David Glenn, award-winning sports broadcaster, entrepreneur, publisher, editor, writer, author, and attorney. He has spent more than three decades in sports media. He is the founder of accsports.com and the ACC Sports Journal. And honestly, I'm probably not doing you justice with the amount of things that you've done in your career, but David, welcome on the show. Well, thank you very much. I have an uncle who introduces me this way. Uh, my, my nephew, David, has been in journalism for 34 years. He practiced law for almost two decades, and he finishes it by saying, if he ever becomes a politician, he'll become the three most hated people in America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm Paul. I like awesome. your introduction better, Nolan. <laughs> thank you, thank you. He, he did awesome. forget something, though, DG. You almost were graced by my presence on your radio show about a year and a half ago. I was on my way home from work, and the answer was the Sandlot. You were at the end of one of your, yeah, yeah. your shows, and I think you played a snippet of the Sandlot. And I was there. I was talking to the guy, and I was up next, but 
the guy in front of me got it right. So oh. you were so close. You I were love so close. Those. We called those the classic sports movie challenges. Yes. Oh, I loved it. I and used to look. Oh. You know, I love the sports calendar because it gives us so much to talk about, especially right now. I mean, holy cow, we, we could never run out of topics. But the one month that I often found a little slower was July. So yeah. years ago, we came up just as one of the things that we mixed in every day to give away prizes and to have some – everybody loves sports movies, right? Yeah. So we played the audio clip. You know, a 1,000 people would call in. Uh, I even had the interns involved doing some research on each of our favorite sports movies. And then I'd put them on the air as they're like, you know, deer in the headlights scared half of them. Uh, but we had a blast with that. It's, it's just one of those things. Like I can tell you all have fun with what you do. When you have fun with what you do, I mean, your listener hears that, right? Yeah. And your, your interns and your staff feel that. And I always used to tell them, man, if you're not excited about whatever you have going on today, how the heck can you expect any listener to be excited about it? So 90% of the time, you're genuinely jacked up. And the other 10% of the time, I mean, if your girlfriend broke up with you or your dog died, you got to fake it, right? <laughs> you have energy. Uh, because you're the dancing bear for three hours a day yeah. and you better have something yeah. to deliver. Yeah, I, I used to love that. I remember I lost my voice because I think two people in a row got it wrong and it was Space Jam. And it was a very, it was noticeable, like that's Space Jam. Yeah. And I was driving and I was screaming, Space Jam. <laughs> and they were just saying different movies like Angels in the Outfield. And I was like, no, it's Space Jam. Yes. It's painful sometimes when you know the next nine people all know it. Yeah. <laughs> and some guys just flailing along. You know what usually happens? The people... Some people call trying to win a prize before they hear the audio snippet. So uh, you hear the snippet, you know what it is, but somebody called in earlier and they're just like walking the plank without a blindfold and a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> either while they're live on the air, which we're all used to, most people are not. Yeah. yeah. They freak out. Oh, if man. you're not used to the radio, two or three seconds can feel like a year. You know, yeah, yeah. Or I'm saying, so name that classic sports movie. And some poor guy who called yeah. in early is like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we, we, we try to churn through. And uh, yeah, that's funny that you would remember that. We, we, at least I get to be on your show. You didn't quite get to be on mine. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to point that out that no one forgot to add that yeah, in your yeah, yeah. bio. So just wanted to throw it, it out there. Yeah, the consolation prize. I think it worked out better. I think uh, yeah. Dave coming yeah. on our show is a little bit better than you popping up on his show, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, Speaking of that, though, Dave, uh, looking on your website, and you have a very impressive list of people that you have interviewed. And just for our listeners, just to name a couple, uh, former President Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, I believe I saw Michael Jordan on that list, Coach K, Steph Curry, Bob Costas, and the list goes on. Now, we want to know, have we, were you ever starstruck talking to anybody on that list? Probably, the, as an older guy, never. Not even when President Obama or President Bush was on. I think I had been through enough as an attorney and as a business owner and as a TV guy, I think, I think at some point, I'm originally from Philly, so I had thick skin to begin with. But at some point, the grind of life just still makes you respect other people. But at least in my case, it took away the awe factor. 
So the closest to all that I remember, and that's a great word, is when I was a young man. And I'm a young man, say 21 years old, and because of some just fortunate things that happened early in my career, I had a one-on-one with Mike Krzyzewski. I actually had annual one-on-ones with the legendary late now uh, UNC coach, Dean Smith. Wow. So I would be in person by myself at 21 years old with Dean Smith, who was at that point a one-time national champion. And I think he was about to become in 1993, a two-time national champion. And this is a guy that I saw on TV as a child and watched cut down the nets with Michael Jordan and James Worthy. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting across the table from Dean Smith or later it was Mike Krzyzewski. So I think there were a handful of those examples at the end of the 1980s when I was just a wee young reporter and the beginning of the 1990s where I just hadn't seen the world yet. I, I hadn't been around the block yet. And I do remember that feeling of awe with, with just, a, my, I didn't have as many big names when I'm 23 years old, right? I didn't even have a radio show yet. So yeah. these were other projects where I got those interviews. And then I like to joke that the other time I was in awe, I had supermodel Brooklyn Decker on the show. Yeah, I noticed that name. That one popped yep. out for <laughs> me. You know, now I am at this point a 50-year-old man. I'm a little bit on the other side of 50. But as my wife, who I always refer to on the air as the lovely and talented Maria. Yep. And she is lovely and she is talented. And one of her greatest qualities, in my opinion, is that she never asks guys to stop being guys. And there's still a way to be respectful to your wife and, of course, respectful to your marriage. But she would never say, well, Glenn, just because you've been married for 20 years, you're not supposed to notice how hot Brooklyn Decker is. <laughs> and honestly, as a young man, I, that made me more attracted to my wife. Yeah. It's like she gets it. She gets it. And my wife is, you, you know the old saying, we've outkicked our coverage. Yeah. I have outkicked my coverage. In fact, I went to, once went to a party at NC State. And Tom O'Brien was the football coach at the time, and he met my wife, and he later pulled me aside and he said, Glenn, you really outkicked your coverage. <laughs> and then Elliot Avent, the baseball coach, who I also knew, pulls me aside. Same party, different conversation, says, Glenn, you really outkicked your coverage. <laughs> and I think Lee Fowler was the athletic director, and he said the same thing. And I'm like, all right, the third time, that's about it. Yeah. I get it. I outkicked my coverage. She's beautiful. She's amazing. I, I don't know how I – you know, what did I drug her and drag her back to the cave? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we've been married for a while now. It's not a fraud. So when Brooklyn Decker, who our excuse for having her on the show was she had just tweeted about seeing Duke and Carolina play. And you all know how hard tickets are to get a Cameron yeah. Indoor Stadium. Now, yeah. I'm spoiled because I've seen and felt that vibe a couple dozen times probably at this point. But she thought it was so remarkable that she tweeted about it. And it is truly remarkable, no matter if you're a diehard fan, casual fan, never been to a basketball game, it leaves an impression on you, especially that rivalry when it's in Durham. So I said, she's married to Andy Roddick, right, the tennis star. Mm -hmm. She just tweeted about a basketball game. If we're ever going to have a reasonable excuse to invite Brooklyn Decker onto the David Glenn show, yeah. You know, other than we really think you're hot, will you join us? You know? <laughs> Just a couple of hooks. So now we got the tennis hook, we got the Duke Carolina hook, and sure enough, she joined us. 
And that was not in person. Most phones, most guests of ours were by phone, including the president's. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, Brooklyn Decker was also by phone. But that was a different kind of awe, even as a, a slightly older man by that point. Uh, she wore a yellow bikini in that one of those Adam Sandler movies that I think is embedded in my brain <laughs> in a way that even my wife is aware of. And that makes me yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have any, one I wanted to follow up, was there anyone that was surprisingly funny? That yeah. you were just like, I did not anticipate this level of funniness from this guy. Yeah, that's a great question because obviously Adam Sandler was funny and Kevin James was yeah. funny and Rob Schneider, they were all in turn-ups. So oh, again, yeah. we had the sports hook. It's not just asking the actor. Some of them were doing speaking tours or comedy tours, but they also had basketball was central to the movie Grown Ups. So it's, again, kind of like a little creative intelligence with our invitations, and it made them more likely to say yes. But the guy that I would say comes to mind, Mike Tyson was – this is after he's at his best as one of the great heavyweights of all time. I think his wife had convinced him to do – it wasn't exactly a comedy tour, but it was kind of Mike – I think he called it Undisputed Truth – and it was Mike Tyson, a little bit of an out-of-shape edition of Mike Tyson compared to The Rock that he was. And it was a speaking tour where he was telling some funny stories, but he was telling some real serious stories about his upbringing and his, you know, allegations against him and some really down times and even, even mental health issues. He really bared his soul. Mm -hmm. And our, our creative invite that time was that he had a speaking engagement in North Carolina that I checked the website hadn't yet sold out. So I'm thinking, all right, if it's only two weeks away and it's not sold out, this is my best chance. Tell his publicist, well, hey man, I got a statewide show. You want to sell the rest of those tickets? Give me Mike Tyson. And sure enough, part of the funny, it wasn't funny like punchline stuff, but you know, my producer told him, hey, you don't know David. Like a lot, if Coach Williams or Coach K joined, they know who I am. We don't have to remind them. But yeah. a lot of these guests, president know, didn't know who I was. Brooklyn Decker, sadly, didn't know who I was. And Mike Tyson <laughs> certainly didn't. So we, we remind, you know, my producers, his name is David Glenn, you know, statewide show. And he called me Glenn through the whole interview, which doesn't bother me. But it, everybody on my staff is laughing because he's calling me. It's not exactly by the wrong name. He thought my name was Glenn, whatever, no big deal. But the other thing that he kept doing after we I said you of all the guests we've ever had you must tell Mike Tyson this is terrestrial radio I mean you guys know what the fines are if, <laughs> if I'm on your podcast and I accidentally drop an f-bomb I don't yeah. believe we're violating any law yeah, I, I, th I think we'd be good <laughs> if you're on my terrestrial show and you accidentally drop an yeah. f-bomb and we miss the dump button Honestly, we I think the fines are in the five or six figures. I mean, it's significant. Oof. So sure enough, it is maybe, I don't want to say the only time in 20 plus years, but I said to my staff, even though the time that Mike Tyson picked to be on our show was within the live block, you know, we were noon to three most of my career. I said, ask his publicist if we can do it outside the live window, just in case. Yeah. And sure enough, 
it, again, it wasn't punchline funny, but he dropped at least half a dozen F-bombs <laughs> into that conversation. And I said to my producer, you're a wizard with audio, man. I don't know how you're going to edit those out without it yeah. sounding like, you know, like yeah. disjointed <laughs> audio. And I think maybe all but one was really easy to drop out. And I mean, what are you going to say to Mike Tyson? I mean, yeah, exactly. hey, hey, Mike, you got to stop with the F-bombs, man. I'm, he's he's on by phone and I'm intimidated by the guy. <laughs> you guys are aware of the famous stories where he threatened, he threatened to eat the children of one of his interviewers. I mean, you know. There are only so many people who threaten to eat children. Yeah. So, last thing I want to do is upset Mike Tyson, but he, he was genuine. He was real. He kind of bared his soul. He was kind of funny, but we were laughing at the rest of that stuff. And once your staff starts laughing, it's kind of hard to keep it together as you're yeah. trying to get that next question yeah. out. For sure. I, got, I have one more, one more question about people you've interviewed. So I don't know if it's been made aware to you or not, but Nolan and I are born and raised Cleveland. Sean's also born there, semi-raised there. I actually so I grew up st- South Jersey, right near Philly. All right, sure. Yeah, I know South yeah, Jersey we, well. Yeah, we got a good Philly listener base, Cleveland, kind of all over. Um, but the one name on there that is not a friend of our show, Stephen Curry. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Right. He's, like, he's not a friend that. of Connor. He's, he's not a friend of you. Don't lump me into yeah. this. <laughs> a horrible human being like I assume he is. <laughs> or, or what's going on there? Steph seems, seems like a genuinely nice guy. Now, I don't know him personally <laughs> as well as I do know, you know some of the regular athletes and guests who come on the show a lot. Steph was probably on once at once or twice at davidson that's how long Mm. i've been around right so it's it's a lot easier like my michael jordan interviews came earlier in his career i mean later you might as well you might have a better chance of getting you know you know you need digital retinal scan just to get to fort knox just to get to the you know through all the lines of security and and public relations for somebody like michael jordan yeah uh, but that was another example where maybe I've only had him once or twice as an NBA player. And I don't know. He comes across as a really good guy. Maybe one of those guys that's hard to hate. Even if uh, Thank you. Thank you. Now that I know it's not going to be LeBron versus um, Curry in the finals, I don't hate the guy I like Steph. I like I him. I like him now. I, I, I didn't like, like him. him. From his mom and dad have been on the show. Them. They're really nice people. Uh, his brother Seth has been on the show. Yeah. I, I really, I do find it hard to root against that family. There, I think <laughs> the more you knew them, the more you'd like them. But I know there are certain barriers that are hard to get past. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you want to do a meet and greet, Dave, me, you, and the Curry family, I'm all for it. Maybe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to worry that you'd bring weapons? I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know how deep this hatred might be. I don't know. <laughs> um, so one thing you said earlier, and I'm going to loop it back to our next kind of question. I'll let Nolan ask it. But for Connor and Nolan, you guys have never been to Cameron Indoor Stadium. The, so moving down here in the States, I've lived in New Jersey, Florida, here, uh, went to school in PA and Ohio. Here at college sports, it's it's electric. It's elite. It, it's nothing like I've ever seen before. You don't realize how small Cameron yeah. Stadium really is. We went in there for a tour. And when you're in there and then you think about, you know, the Austin Rivers, you know, wherever that was at, all these games, the the ones at Duke, 
they're you're right there. The crowd is right on top of you, man. Right there. It's incredible. You you can't even and probably a lot of the games you all have watched on TV, I was on press row. So, oh, wow. you know, when the camera is aimed at the, the Cameron crazies, essentially, you see all those little heads, right, you know, in a row, that's us on press row. And it's maybe the only place that I can think of. And I've covered a lot of events in a lot of sports. I can't think of another example where, and this is not an exaggeration, you're in a folding chair, and there is not enough room for you to back up your folding chair. There are young people with painted faces. And I'm old enough that my first few times there, the face paint was made out of different stuff. And fortunately, I was young and poor. So whatever I was wearing, <laughs> if it got stained, it didn't really matter. But as I got older and I had nicer clothes, I'm like, man, I hope technology has changed. Because if this <laughs> face paint is on this jacket... You know, someone's not going to be happy, and, and it, it might be my tailor or my wife or whoever bought this jacket for me, but it is hard to fully comprehend unless you've been there. Yeah. Your body vibrates when that place gets loud. They are truly, you know, you, you'll catch spittle. It's not like the kids are being reckless. They're just screaming so loud that, you know, oh, there's another, there's another piece of spit on my, my computer screen. <laughs> or, you know, your ears can hurt. Yeah. Um, and, and I got to the point and I, I learned this the hard way. I used to, I, I used to not want to have to bother the students so much. So my thing, because I'm still a relatively athletic guy, I would just barely move the chair back. And then I would try to sort of leapfrog the, the table to get to the court side, like at halftime when you needed to go uh, maybe into the press room. Security does not like when you do that. <laughs> they, they want you to wait and, and go single file in front of the Cameron crazies, but that takes forever because there's no room. You are squeezed in there like sardines. And of course that's part of what makes it such a magical atmosphere, not for us in the media as much, but for the Cameron crazies and uh, all the former players, there are always former players behind the Duke bench. There's a crazy towel guy who's kind of famous now there that the kids get all jacked up, but they do a great job with the video, the audio, uh, and everything else. I always get to those games early, taking some selfies with the Cameron crazy, sending to my friends around the country. I'll, I'll say, like, you guys are buddies. You know, I'll, I'll, my buddies are now in their early 50s. So what are you guys doing tonight, text? With <laughs> yeah. a selfie of me yeah. and a bunch of face-painted maniacs or maybe a cheerleader or two. You know, what are you guys <laughs> yeah. doing tonight? I'm just – I'm over here in Durham. And then, you know, 9 o'clock, ESPN, see you there, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, your best friends don't take that the wrong way. I'm sure somebody might. Yeah. So yeah. with all that said, if you uh, you ever got some spare tickets, you got my email. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Email. No, <laughs> but seriously, that place that's is – That's the hardest ticket I've ever tried to get for anybody in my entire yeah. life in any it's, sport. That's it, unbelievable. Incredible. I mean, I just wanted to bring that up because I, when I went into that stadium the first time, I kind of didn't believe that this is what I've been watching on TV. Like, this yeah. is it. Like, it's got to be electric in there. It is. It's, I haven't experienced anything that surpasses it. And I just went to the Super Bowl where my Eagles won three years ago. I was able to take my son to that. So I've, I've been to the Kentucky Derby, the Daytona 500, uh, the Final Four, the World Series. You know, at this stage of my career, I'm not sure what, you know, I've seen English Premier League soccer matches over there on the other side of the pond. Um, so I, I'm not sure what's left on that bucket list, but I can't imagine anything you know, maybe if you were there when 
you know, Team USA beat the Russians in 1980, yeah. you know, yeah. the miracle on ice. I, yeah. I, mean, I guess you, you add the country factor to the bedlam. Maybe that would be a higher level. But Duke Carolina is about a 9 on a 10 scale uh, yeah. in my experience. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been to a World Series game in Cleveland and an NBA Finals game. But one thing I've never gone to is a big Division One college basketball or football game. And I feel like I have to, especially down south for football, yeah. I feel like I, I'm definitely missing out on it. You have to sure. do it. And I'm glad you guys have this line of thinking because as a guy growing up in Philly, I've been asked at times in my career when our radio show just really took off, you know, in most people's eyes, jumping to the biggest market is your climb up the ladder. And, and what my sincere answer was, after growing up in Philly, where there was sports radio, even when I was a kid, sports radio did 24 hour sports radio didn't even get to North Carolina until the 1990s uh, or maybe the late 80s. But the only the big cities had it in the 1980s when I was in high school. So I did grow up with WIP in Philadelphia. And I just remembered years later, 95 percent of what those guys talked about in Philly was professional sports. And I didn't mind that because the Eagles and the Phillies and the Sixers and the Flyers, et cetera. But it had to be either March Madness or nowadays it would be the college football playoff. It had to be huge for them to stray from the four major sports. Well, down here, my original show was only in the triangle. So you got Duke State and Carolina. And I was the creator of ACCSports.com. They didn't want to hear me on too many other things. So, of course, you cater to your audience. And I came to believe that a top 10 market would not automatically be a promotion for me, in part because, A, my, state, my show grew statewide. So I'm, I'm now, I think North Carolina is the eighth or ninth most populous state in the country. So I'm, I'm coast to coast in the eighth or ninth most populous state in the country. That's a big market. Yeah. But also, when the Panthers came and the NFL arrived in North Carolina when I was a younger guy, but then the Canes came in the NHL to Raleigh. The Hornets, of course, have been in uh, Charlotte for a long time. So you do have three of the four biggest sports. And I just ultimately concluded, if I moved to Alabama, I'd have to talk 95% college sports. And I don't really want to do that. If I moved to Philly or New York or Boston, it's got to be 95 the other way, pro over college. And I think North Carolina and some other places around the country are that beautiful blend where people wake up in different numbers thinking of both college and pro sports. And, and that's what I grew to love. And I just, I wouldn't have considered a promotion if I got to a quote unquote bigger market, but I wasn't allowed to talk about college basketball, but one month out of the year. I mean, I love college basketball and my roots are in the ACC. So that's kind of become my nirvana. You know, my version of heaven is getting to talk, getting to blend college sports and pro sports, you know, and the Olympics and whatever else, uh, is, is kind of front and center at that time. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So I got another question for you, Dave. So Connor here is our, uh, is our podcast athlete. He was, uh, he, he, he was a youth sports star. He's an intramural sports star. He talked about it all the time, but I think you want up him because it says here, you played in the early rounds of the little league world series. That is correct. I was a left-handed pitcher. I actually, and to be clear, Connor 
probably has me as an athlete. I'll, I'll elaborate. <laughs> that. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, fill my ego. Yeah, you cannot tell him that. Put, one way to put it is if you peak prior to 16, you couldn't have been all that great. Right. <laughs> I, I, I did pitch and I'm convinced when you're a left-handed pitcher as long as you can get the ball over the plate you keep getting invited back because there's only yeah. so many left-handed pitchers to go around so I was very good as a youth pitcher and I was making all-star teams every year and there is that year I believe it's right before you turn 13 where you're eligible for the college or the uh, little league world series. Yep. So I represented great Valley little league in 1980. It might've been. And because if you were an all-star in your league, you were entered as the great Valley little league entry way early rounds. Like I didn't get Uh, the only only way I'd have gotten to Williamsport, Pennsylvania for the the ultimate little league world series was with a bus ticket, like everybody else. (laughs) So I loved playing in that on that all-star team. It was the best youth competition I'd ever experienced. I was like, wow, everybody is as good as we are. Every pitcher you face is like 12-year-olds shouldn't be able to th- remember. That's before the, mo- the mound moves back. Mm-hmm. 60 feet, 6 inches. If you're throwing 90, I might have a chance of catching up to it, maybe. But if you're at the little league distance and you see one of these kids that look like they're shaving already and, and you know, you want to check their driver's license, those dudes throwing heat, man, you got to start your swing before they let the ball go. So it was an educational experience, you know, and, and I love how you put it because, you know, I was in the early rounds of the Little League World Series and that was as far as it went. And I didn't give up pitching, by the way, until the summer before I went to law school. So I was – I pitched from five years old to 24 years old. And then law school, I figured if I don't bust my tail and, you know, I had to stop yeah. baseball. I had to drink less, stop, stop chasing <laughs> young women and occasionally them. I, I had to focus on law school because that's another one. Like baseball, holy cow, everybody's as good as I am. In law school, you look around and you're like, uh, I'm not the smartest kid in the class anymore. <laughs> so I better bust my tail. That was a big transition for me. Yeah. The, um, so kind of on you guys, have you guys ever been to Williamsport? No, that's not nothing on, on my no. bucket list for sure. So I went to school at Lock Haven University, which I think we're about like 45 minutes away from Williamsport. And I went there when Monet Davis oh, wow. and that team from yeah. Philly was there. Um, that place is amazing i i I can't put it into words it's just so cool it is um the the college world series has a culture like that as well where the the community embraces it the facilities at this point are beautiful and obviously there's a magical quality to seeing the international little league world series competition or the college world series there's there's only so many places that uh you can feel truly embrace something that is in their backyard and those are yeah. some of the examples of that it was just a pure happiness place yeah. that's the only way i could describe it it's just pure yeah just fun. I, I was wanting to go down the the the, the hill and like the little cardboard yeah, we sat on the hill slide <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny how we have a lot of interesting connections because you mentioned philly and south jersey my yep. family still has a house in avalon new jersey to this day yeah uh you mentioned um Upstate New York, right? My my wife is a graduate of SUNY Geneseo. Probably oh, okay, yeah. Not far from where you are, Nolan, right nope. now, right? Yep, not at all, yeah. So some of her best friends in the world to this day 
are the women that she met at SUNY Geneseo and we're at our wedding and big part of our lives to this day, 30s, whatever years later. So, uh, yeah, I'm familiar. I visited Geneseo with Maria. Yeah. And the Philly, the Philly boy saw, saw a lot of cow pastures on the way. To yeah, there's a lot of that up here for sure. <laughs> you think New York. And of course the first thing that usually comes to mind is New York city. And then you're like, wow, we're still in New York. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. I, but I, I came this close to going to Syracuse undergrad. So I have some familiarity with uh, your part of that state. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Before we transition into our college basketball, we want to ask you a question relating to college basketball. But Sean, Sean's been digging deep into this, the G League. We want your opinion. Is it killing the NCAA? I don't think so, and I don't think it will unless the rules change dramatically. And what I mean by that is there are enough success stories where a Zion Williamson at Duke or many other examples utilize the platform of college basketball to maximize their exposure and maximize their fun factor and maximize their marketability so that even though they only got room, board, tuition, cost of attendance adjustment nowadays and they would have gotten x as a young player in the g league i I think the the very best still consider that a close call when they're weighing it and i unless they change these rules i still think the standard salary in the g league is like thirty-five thousand dollars a year and that's not enough to catch anybody's attention there are special player exceptions to that where i think they make low six figures And that becomes a closer call, obviously. If you're a high school graduate and you're just not that into academics or or you're just ready to get paid to play the game you love, turn the page, go to the G League. Maybe you're one of those. I think you have to be selected to be eligible for that 100 grand plus. But that 35 grand ain't going to do it for these guys because they would rather be, you know, playing in March Madness on that wonderful stage with millions of viewers rather than driving on rickety old buses and staying in second rate hotels all over the G league. Yeah. When I was looking into it, I think the Sally was up to 500,000. Um, I didn't look at who made what, but I would imagine like you're saying, I noticed a name Jarrett Jack is on a team. He probably, you know, yeah, that's makes right, yeah. upper to, to that because of his experience and the pros and all that. That's a different number um, that changes the conversation a lot. Yeah. Which I doubt those young guys, because what going through it, you have Jalen Green, who's projected. I went on the CBS Sports their mock draft third pick, Dacian Nix twenty eighth pick, uh, Jonathan Kaminga fifth pick. I mean, all that star power is not in college, and I was just wondering if you thought that was hurting it because basketball's good, but the entertainment seems to be playing in the G League right yeah, now. There, so much depends on the fan. You know, if you're looking for the higher caliber of basketball, you're not going to fall in love with college hoops quite as much. It's just a, it's a sloppier game. There's not as much skill. The NBA is ridiculous. And the more you watch it, the more you appreciate the skill level of those guys and the length and the athleticism and the shooting ability. It's just insane. And there's just not enough of that to go around. And in fact, it's a well-timed question by you guys because, As someone who has watched and covered ACC sports since 1987, I don't think there's another year where I filled out my all-ACC ballot 
which is 15 men. First team, second team, third team. I'm, I'm, I'd, go, I'd have to go back and check to be sure, but I'm 99% sure. I have never written 15 names and not thought that any one of them had any chance of being an NBA lottery pick and thought that there weren't many first-rounders in that 15. Now, of course, when I started covering the league, guys stayed longer, right? Michael, I wasn't, I wasn't around covering Michael Jordan at UNC, but he was a three-year player. Yeah. And fast forward, a guy like Christian Leitner was a four-year player at Duke when I started covering uh, the ACC. So, of course, your all-ACC team is going to be even more star-studded back then. When the best players tend to move on after one year, it does get watered down a little bit. But I can't remember a year where there was the lack of a heavy, a super heavyweight team in the ACC. Not one. I mean, whatever you think of UVA and Florida State, and I respect both of them, neither is an elite team this year. Yeah. And I saw one stat. And, and when, when you can't find either a super heavyweight team in the ACC or a no-doubt-about-it lottery pick in the ACC, that hasn't happened in my 34 years. That combination has never happened. And I know Scotty Barnes of Florida State might be a lottery pick. There are other possibilities. And as guys get older, if they stay, maybe they become lottery picks. But the NCAA tournament started being seeded in 1979. There is only one time since then that the Atlantic Coast Conference did not produce a one seed or a two seed or multiple ones and twos. This year, right now, Florida State and UVA are four seeds, probably. So unless something crazy happens, I don't see anybody jumping to the one or two line. So this would be twice in more than 40 years that the Atlantic Coast Conference is just not part of that one or two line conversation. And of course, it's a reflection. It's not like these guys forgot how to coach, right? It's just a reminder that great teams do not start with brand names. Great teams do not start with Hall of Fame coaches even. Great teams start with guys who are ready to kick ass at the college level. And I don't mean someday. I mean right now. And Duke, for example, had, what, six or seven years in a row where their best freshman was also one of the best players in the league, if not the player of the year in the league. Nobody fit that description this year. Mm -hmm. And – even Mike Shashevsky is going to have something like that catch up to him. Yeah, that's awesome because like it just, I think a lot of time people will say the NCAA, you know, is in trouble. But as a basketball perspective, no, because you know those four-year seniors, you love watching those play. Like Tennessee the other year, you love watching those guys. But as far as entertainment, yes, it seems like that's there's not really anybody that fits the bill for that. Yeah, and you guys know. TV numbers go down for most sports. Yeah. And part of that is just the fracturing of the entertainment dollar and the sports dollar. It doesn't automatically mean it's a lesser product. You guys know the deal. Cord cutting and cord shaving. And, um, you know, there was a point where ESPN was in 110-plus million television homes. And that number's down, I think, the last I saw, under 80 million. That's not a slight tweak. That's a dramatic shift in the way these things work. So I, I see some cause for concern when I see some of these NCAA. The NCAA viewership numbers were higher when I was a young man than they are now. Part of that 
is that again, the splintering, there are just so many more channels, so many more options, et cetera. But I wonder if there'll come a point where the entertainment factor weighs down college basketball. I don't see it yet because I think especially the, the one event that makes the majority of the money for the NCAA, and I mean the huge majority, the NCAA tournament directly or indirectly pays for 90 plus percent of the NCAA's annual budget. One event in one sport pays all that. Wow. And that those TV dollars are still flowing in. And I think it's because even if the entertainment factor d- drops a little in some years, there's something magical about watching guys who you know are busting their tail for good old state U and trying to play team basketball. And I think p- people are willing to put up with a little bit of a less lesser caliber game if yeah. they still have that March Madness magic unfolding in front of them. Yeah, and I mean, if there's any one sport in particular that is feeling COVID and the lack of fans, you can argue college basketball is that sport that is feeling it the most. So it'll be interesting to see these numbers when normalcy returns. True. Agree. All right. So the biggest thing is, and we're not going to lie, we're not college basketball experts. We we love it. We love March Madness. We definitely – you know, we got, we got football all fall. And then again, we're not from huge college basketball markets, you know, kind of lives down in Columbus now, but we're from Cleveland. So we're pretty much pro sports. Um, so we need some advice in March Madness this year. Yeah. Uh, for one, one thing I want to know is who do you think is the biggest sleeper? So probably anywhere from a three, three on up seed, who was the biggest sleeper in this year's tournament? Ooh, um, I'm trying to picture the bracket in my head. I think a UConn out of the Big East could be a, a scary, dangerous team. Um, I don't I think West year. Virginia will have a, a really, really high seed. So I think they're dangerous. Texas as well out of the Big 12. I'm trying to avoid the obvious. I mean, the best teams are Gonzaga yep. and Baylor and Michigan and Illinois that, that might be the top tier right there. Um, it, it's interesting. Once you get out of those top seeds, that's when some ACC teams come into play. Yeah. And I do think Florida State and Virginia, as who knows where they'll end up, three, four, yeah. five, I guess, anywhere in that range. I do think they're both really good basketball teams. And when you're not used to seeing FSU's length and athleticism, they can be a hard matchup for you. As, as Leonard Hamilton's yeah. teams have shown, the ACC knows them, prepares for them, and then the Seminoles end up in the NCAA tournament, and everybody's like, holy cow. I mean, it's like what Dick Vitale used to call the all-airport team. Those guys get off the plane, and you know that's a team. That's a basketball team. You don't have to wonder where they're going. I mean, he used to, not this year as much, but he used to rotate, seriously, four different seven-footers at the college level. And they all have long arms and block shots and run the floor. So, and UVA has a unique style, right? They grind you down. They have that pack line defense that some teams play, but it's not something everybody is familiar with. They've got dudes too. Uh, You know, UVA has three of the best players in the ACC. Uh, FSU has probably three of the best players in the ACC. So those guys, even though it's a down year for the league, they might be decent candidates as your dark horse. So then what about for the, the top seeds we mentioned that we can expect Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, I believe were the four you quoted thoughts on which one of those is 
should be the favorite in the entire tournament. I know there's every year we, we feel like Gonzaga, um, you know, we talk about them as a team out West. They don't get a lot of coverage, but this year yeah. they're, I know, I know they're on tonight. So we're probably cutting into some of your watch time. <laughs> uh, so I don't want to do that, but just getting your thoughts on those top four teams. Um, Baylor's kind of a really neat story. I think the big 10 is wild this year. I, I think there's like four teams in the top, top one and two seeds right now. So I'd love to get your thoughts on if there's a clear favorite that should win it all in that, in that first bracket of ones, or if there's someone in that, that realm of two seeds that should be in the one seeds, um, in your opinion. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, Illinois ended up with an injury this late in the season because um, I always butcher the pronunciation of his last name, but Io, yeah, I, yep. Io is the real deal. And I'm a big believer that – you know, it's an old cliche, really, but you need great guards to, to win it all. And Gonzaga's two best players are, are a forward and a big guy, and that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, Baylor actually is a more guard-driven team than some of the others. Yeah. Um, Michigan's one – of, one of Michigan's best players is a freshman center. So before Io got hurt, I thought Illinois was going to be the team. Now, he is still playing, but he's got that face mask on. and Yeah, it looks uh, like Batman. They're well-coached. They're battle-tested. Uh, if Io is healthy, I would be willing to take Illinois out of those top seeds. I just haven't seen him play since he's worn the mask. And there's a laundry list of sad stories where a team that might have won it all had one injury, and even though the guy still played, he wasn't himself. I, I don't know. Playing, playing against the best athletes college basketball has to offer is hard enough when you're not looking through something that looks like a, an old-school goalie's hockey mask. Um, so we'll see how that part plays out. But any of those top teams is capable of doing it, and I do see a pretty significant gap between them and that next tier. So, you know, I, I'm probably – I have a brother. You guys might appreciate this. He actually lives in Pittsburgh, so not far from – some of oh, them. Boo. Uh, girl, yeah. girl from Philly, married a girl from Pittsburgh, so he's out there. Long ago, he said, DG, man, you're paid to write and talk about sports. Whenever the conversation comes up, you know more than any 10 people I know put together. Don't you think we could turn this into a profit in the gambling world? Like, that was his <laughs> logic, right? I know you're a good writer and you're a good radio host, but let's get down to brass tacks, man. You know? Yeah. Channel some of this info to your bro. And, and, and I said, and, and what made me think of this is you're asking me about predictions. I do think in some sports, I used to tell my audience this all the time. I do think predictions are the least valuable thing we do in the journalism world. Now, I have fun with it, but I used to joke, please don't bet the kids' college tuition on my gut feeling about, you know, whatever's going on. And over the years, I got both thank you notes from people who use my tournament picks and are like, DG, I won my office pool because I listened to your advice. But then you also get the one from the guy who says, Glenn, you sounded so confident about Kansas. And they lost in the round of 32. I'll never listen to you again. So my brother and I did this experiment. I said, man, you're freaking me out. I don't think that I can beat Vegas personally, despite whatever knowledge I might have. And I have coaches on the phone. Like I sometimes know who's hurting more than the injury report says. Like a lot of these guys have become 
kind of professional acquaintances and they answer my questions off the record all the time. So I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you my advice, but you, my brother, don't tell me which games you're actually laying money on so that I don't freak out and start losing sleep at night. You don't even have to, you don't have to place any bets. You can bet on all of my advice, none of my advice, you pick and choose. And sure enough, I think his ultimate conclusion was after you take out the VIG, the, the cost of doing business, mm-hmm. I was barely beating, you know, the, the, the C level. And I was like, man, that's a lot. That's a lot of stress you're putting your brother through for 3% growth rate. You know what I mean? So you, you can call me anytime. I told him I'll, I'll empty the bucket with whatever info I may have. I'm also very good at saying I have no bleeping idea or I don't have a, I don't have a lean on this game. I am never afraid to admit what I don't know. That serves me well as a husband, a lawyer, and a lot of other ways. Don't pretend you know stuff that you don't. That can get you in some serious trouble. So, yeah, we did a real-life experiment on the value of my predictions. I hope what I just gave you tonight is worthy, but don't bet the kids' college tuition fund either. That's fair. I don't have a, I don't um, have a kid yet, so no tuition fund. <laughs> but I do have a savings account, so we'll see. <laughs> um, you one got team a that... 29 plan for your unborn children. <laughs> <laughs> um, one team that we didn't talk about that I think could make a run is Iowa, which, you know – They're third in scoring. I think they're first in assists per game. They're fifth in three-point percentage. And they're they're first in assist to turnover ratio. I'm not high on Iowa. What are your thoughts on Iowa? Their defense is not that good. I I admire Garza, and I'm a U.S. Basketball Writers Association voter, and I believe I named – I voted for him National Player of the Year. Uh, but I saw when the Tar Heels and others played Iowa, if it becomes a guard game, which it often does, Iowa's not quite as good. So who knows? You could be right. I could be wrong. I don't feel the Hawkeyes. They're well coached. They have a reliable big man. There's something about relying too heavily on that old school low post yeah. uh, offense that, it just Iowa runs into problems when when they face a team with both athleticism and a single guy that can bother Garza down low. Yeah. And there's enough of those teams that fit that description that I just don't see them as a Final Four team. Because so I was when I was going over, play it back at me when they're. When the when the balloons are falling, yeah, <laughs> when they cut down um, the nets. No, I was just going through and I was looking at all the stats and rankings, and that was one team that I consistently was seeing in the top ten, top twenty. Um, and I, you know, I'm with you. I think you need guard play, coaching, and you need that mix of um, seniors, really upperclassmen on your team. I'll tell you guys one serious thing when it comes to fun betting or more serious betting. Are you into Ken Palm at all? Does that ring a bell? No. Ken Palm. I, 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 I do know. I know Ken Palm, okay. but I don't. Uh, I don't use it. Ken Palm's a, a high-level analytics guy, but to get the gist of what he has to say, I mean, you, you really only need to be able to like count, you know. So, without getting into the gory details of how he crunches numbers, he has proven. I mean, scientifically with data that the safest bet to go the longest in the NCAA tournament 
if you can find teams that are top 15 or top 10 or top 20, whatever measuring stick, in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, rather than one of those examples where someone might be brilliant at one end and, and you know, third in this but 70th in that, he has proven to beyond my level of required evidence as an attorney, uh, there is something to it. And I have Ken, I'm a subscriber to Ken Palm. So Gonzaga is top 10 in both. Michigan is top 10 in both. Illinois is top 10 in both. And how about this? Houston out of the American Athletic Conference is the only one that's also top 10. This is offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. So those are the only examples of that kind of balance. Whereas in Ohio State, for example, brilliant offensively, not very strong defensively. And in Alabama, for example, brilliant defensively, not all that great offensively. So I have absolutely unapologetically stolen from Ken Palm more times than I can count with my predictions. And I, I will say he has served me well more often than he has let me down. And I've never written him a nasty note, of course, because it's not his fault when I get stuff wrong. Yeah, I think you just got uh, Ken Palm at least five to ten new followers. Yeah, right? seriously. From our, from our <laughs> end over stuff. here. It's good stuff. And what I mean is he'll show you one through 300 and whatever. He'll tell you where they – so you don't have to understand the numbers. You just have to understand <laughs> the, the well, rankings. really yep. good. <laughs> 73rd by this standard is not good. And that's about as much as I understand the, the nooks and crannies of it all. Uh, I, I've, I've, I have one more question uh, about the tournament. So a team that really intrigues me, and we talked about the Big 12 earlier, it's a conference that has a lot of pretty good teams in it. And, you know, so uh, the teams in the Big 12 are going to be battle-tested coming into March Madness. Uh, Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, arguably the best, one of the best players in the country. I know the rest of the team is not the greatest, but, again, battle-tested team with a great player. How, how far do you think – they could realistically go in the tournament. Fun to watch. I could see a Sweet 16 run, and that is a great league. I probably like Baylor better, Texas better, and Texas Tech better. Mm. But Oklahoma State would be next. And, and in that league, that's no slight, right? No, not at all. I've, I'm often talking about a theme of my career has been trying to explain why the ACC is in football not nearly as good as often when the ACC in basketball is almost always first, second, or third in terms of conference quality. And I've written small books on those topics, but the bottom line is the ACC is not great this year, and it all starts with the Big 12 and the Big 10. And the Big 10 – the Big 12 has had certain success. The Big 10 – is often doubted in football in the postseason and is often doubted in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Because as strange as it sounds, the Atlantic Coast Conference has roughly half of the NCAA titles over the last decade plus. They have three of the last five. Yeah. Because, of course, there was none last year. And it was Duke in 2015, Carolina in 2017, UVA in 2019. That's three out of the last five. If you go back, I think, 12 years, it might be – it might be six of 11 or something like that. So a single league is winning it all half the time. And the Big Ten cranks out good teams every year, and they face plant. And, and they just – how many times – if I made a list 
of the programs that have driven stakes, I mean, red bloody stakes through my NCAA tournament heart as my listeners complain about my bracket dying that year. Michigan State of the Big Ten is yes. one of the worst. <laughs> um, all the time. Oh. They always screwed me up, oh. I swear. I, I, I can't tell you how yeah. many times I've tortured myself saying, no, no, I, I really think this time Tom Izzo's <laughs> team's not. I know they did that time. It's like break. It's like the, the girlfriend who's broken up with you three or four times, but she's either <laughs> so hot or so whatever that you just keep going back and you can't help yourself. That's what Michigan State is to me in the NCAA tournament bracket. It's, a, it's an illness at some point, I think. Yeah. I need professional help. <laughs> at least you're not an actual fan. One of the one of the associates of the show, a Glocksmith, is um is a true fan of Sparty, and time and time again, his heart is broken. Um, so I that just made my heart so happy that that we had a shout out to Michigan State. Um, I've always believed. I mean, I believe as a sports fan. Don't y'all agree? The most painful feeling as a sports fan is not when you have a middling team and, and maybe they didn't get as far as you hoped. It's when you think you have a shot yes. at the Holy Grail. Like you're trying to objectively look at a team and you believe, hey, this could be our year. And there's yeah. no reason it shouldn't be our year. And then they face plant. That's the double stake through the heart. And Sparty fans have lived that one. I don't know. It feels like a half a dozen times over the last 20 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is... Football and basketball, too, with Sparty. True. True. Yeah. And um, that's that's – uh, the NFL this year for us. We're Browns fans. Yeah. So we're in that boat where I wasn't upset at the end of the year. I thought we did well. I thought we lived up to the expectation. I wasn't expecting a Super Bowl run. I just wanted to compete. And we did that. I so. respect that. That's how I've always viewed my teams. You know, th that same run, if you thought you were going to win the Super Bowl, hurts. Yeah. But that yeah. same run after many years without any playoffs and yep. – one, I've had three producers. One of the three is as big a Browns fan as I know. His name is Jared Brooks. He would be doing a backflip right now if he knew that we were talking about his beloved Cleveland Browns. Sounds like a great guy. Oh, he is a great guy. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't produced my show in probably a dozen years, but he's, he's still a good friend of mine, and he's rabid. Like, you guys would be proud. He took his son. I'm trying to remember all the details. What game did the Browns host uh, either for the playoffs or in the playoffs? Did they have – he took his, his son to uh, a game that had, I, think, I guess, a limited crowd permit, permitted. Oh, was it, a, was it a Monday night football game? I can't remember. Because they, they did play Baltimore late in the season this year. photos of them from there. And that's coming from Raleigh, North Carolina. Wow, yeah. That's a, that's, that's a hike. That's, that's kind of the symbol of his passion for the Browns. That's awesome. <laughs> Connor, Sean, any more, any more NCAA questions? Any more March Madness? No, that's all I got there. Well, one final thing. I know you brought up the stat already, but is Gonzaga legit? Are we expecting them to get to – over, under, uh, Elite Eight? Um, I'll take over. I, I okay. do think they're legit. Um. I don't make a lot of what they do in the West Coast Conference. BYU is a good team, uh, and they beat BYU, I think, both games by double digits this year. They beat Iowa. 
Now, they beat Kansas. They beat yeah. West Virginia. They beat UVA and absolutely stomped the Cavaliers. Now, all of those games, I think, were prior to the turn of the calendar year. So it's a fair question, you know, if all of those best non-conference wins were in November and December, can we still assume that – I'm, I'm one of those that I look at your whole body of work, and I'm going to put a lot of weight on the fact that you annihilated Tony Bennett's Virginia Cavaliers. I mean, that, that was – I think it might have been by 30. Yeah. You hide your eyes bad. And they took out Garza and Iowa, and they took out Kansas and West Virginia. And that, to me, I don't, I don't think you're wrong for having skepticism because we've seen other brilliant Gonzaga teams learn things the hard way, that there is a difference between those biggest leagues and the league they get to beat up every year. But this year's resume suggests that they're different. Um, Drew Timmy is an unbelievable big guy. Uh, Kispert is an unbelievable shooter. Yeah, it's all going to come down to whether that you know they get the guard play that they need. But uh, you always want to see the bracket before you make your predictions. But I think they're a Final Four team this year, and I personally would not be shocked if this was the year that Mark Few broke through. Uh, we'll see. There are a half dozen teams that could knock off Gonzaga, but you could say that about anybody else too. Yeah, awesome, cool. All right, well, we're going to move into our last segment. Uh, Dave, this is called our Ask Yardback. So we have a big Facebook group chat where we have all of our listeners ask us questions. Uh, some about sports, some are a little more funny. I believe Sean sent you some before he got on, but we're going to go over them now. Uh, let's go. First question. We'll, we'll keep it college basketball. Okay. One of our listeners wants to know, so we, we, we kind of touched on this, but Ben asked if – if we're going to start seeing younger coaches start to take over college basketball and see guys like coach K Roy Williams kind of start to fade out. You think there's gonna be a trend coming recently? Yeah, that's, that's on the way. I did a story on this for theathletic.com, and I had to research. I want to talk about a deep dive. I had to figure out the oldest people ever to coach division one men's basketball. That is a meticulous process. Yeah. And I would say it is, it is not nearly as fun as, say, you know, as a young man, I once judged bikini contests for spring breakers. Uh, much more fun than digging into the archives, trying to figure out, you know, when uh, Adolf Rupp retired, you know, or something like that. But you got to look at everybody. It could be some obscure coach at some obscure school. So the reason I bring that up, Jim Beheim of Syracuse, as we speak, is the oldest coach in the history of Division I men's basketball. Not far behind him is Mike Krzyzewski at 73 and Leonard Hamilton in his early 70s and Roy Williams in his 70s at Carolina and Jim Laranaga at Miami, not a great team this year, but he's a he's, guy's gone to the Final Four uh, with George Mason and won an ACC title. So there is this generation of coaches who have already pushed the envelope and now we're, whereas, you know, Dean Smith and a lot of legendary coaches retired prior to 70, there's better medical care now, there's better nutrition now, people are living longer, et cetera. So there's, there's reasons that the, the bar keeps being pushed. But five years from now, if, you, if we all get together five years from now, most of those coaches I just listed will be retired. Yeah. That's the reality of the situation. And that leaves the door open for – 
somebody to build a program either at that same school, if they find the right successor, but it, it kind of opens the door for guys who are already on the rise, like a Tony Bennett at UVA and a whole bunch of others. Hey, so really quick, Nolan, before we go to the next question, we have some breaking news. Um, being respectful of your expertise, Dave, I've had ACC Network on in the background, right? And Trey, Trey Wirtz just hit a game winner for Notre Dame to beat Wake Forest 80-77, to a game-winning wow. three-pointer. Can, wow. can I get your initial breaking news thoughts on, <laughs> on what that means for the 14th and 11th seed in the ACC? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it, it means they get to live one more day before they die. <laughs> there is nobody – and this is weird to say because Duke played today. There's nobody who played today who's going anywhere but home. Yeah. <laughs> It, that's just it. I mean, maybe somebody can make the NIT, but it's been a weird year. And just watching Duke enter today's game with a 500 record, 11 and 11, 99, yeah. at a school that hadn't missed the NCAA tournament since 1995, Oof. 26 years ago. Uh, that's and crazy. And that year, Coach K left the team because he had health issues, et cetera. So, no, the, Duke just doesn't have it. Nobody who played today has it. It, it is going to be interesting the rest of the tournament, but uh, uh, all I, the, the best thing I can tell you about Trey Wirtz is that his dad is a prominent sports writer here in North Carolina. That's the best trivia I could oh, possibly awesome. give you. His name is Langston Wirtz. He's been a, a really good sports writer for a long time. That's awesome. All right. So then, so back to the oh, coaching, yeah, do you think, Oh no, I want to ask, like, do you, you think it. it'll go for the, what have you done for me lately? So like, Instead of the older coaches, like Wake Forest paying Chris Paul when he retires, the absolute house to come coach for there. You know, instead of worrying about getting these guys for the long term, just worrying about that recruit and that instant, what have you done for me lately? Do you think there will ever be a trend in that where like Ohio State gives LeBron a house on campus? To that would coach? be interesting. I think we're seeing a little bit of an experiment with that at Michigan right now with Juwan Howard's success. With Juwan now, Howard. he didn't have – a zero resume as a coach, obviously. But if I remember correctly, he did not have much college coaching experience. Mm -mm. And that's a different road. That's definitely a different road, right? Yeah. Wake fired Danny Manning last year. They go and find at East Tennessee State, Steve Forbes. That's kind of the, the typical way of doing things. Right now, a guy named Wes Miller, former UNC player under Roy Williams, is doing great things at UNC Greensboro. They just won their tournament again. Mm -hmm. They're going to the big dance again. Some think he could be Roy Williams' successor in Chapel Hill. So I think we're still going to see those more traditional routes where you kind of pluck the best yeah. mid-major coach if you're at a blue blood program. But I think it's the, the, the schools that have had a little tougher luck lately that are more willing to think outside the box and just say, you know, why not, right? I don't think Kansas, Duke, Carolina, and some Kentucky, I don't think they're going to sort of break those barriers and reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But I'll never forget Coastal Carolina hired a guy off of Wall Street to be their football program, uh, football head coach. And that guy, sure enough, turned to put him on the map. That was unconventional. Yeah. And they gave him a shot, and he went from Wall Street to – building a, a program that's now in a bowl every year. So you never say never. People are going to keep watching Juwan Howard, and, and you're right in the sense that it does all go back to recruiting. Uh, if yeah, you can recruiting. get the top prospects, 
you're probably going to win more, even if you're a mediocre coach, than a great coach who yeah. can't get the top prospects. I, you know, yeah. the best coaches of all time, when they didn't have players, they didn't win much. That's the reality. Yeah. That, that rule is not going to change. <laughs> all right, next question comes from Dennis. Now, that's a little bit of a switch up. He wants to know, will Tiger Woods rebound from his accident, and how will he be remembered? What do you guys think about that? I'm skeptical about his ability to bounce back at this stage, given the nature of that accident and the nature of that surgery and his age. Um, I'm roughly in his age bracket. And I know that the body does not respond as well when you're in my age. I, I thought I was bionic when I was 20 and 25, 30, even 35. I can promise you either there's a lot of kryptonite laying around or I'm not Superman anymore. And I think that's going to catch up to Tiger given his back problems, his knee problems, the incredible force, just the swinging of a golf club. If we, if we played and had a foursome, we're not going to rupture a disc with our, our golf swing. <laughs> Tiger's swing is so powerful and violent that over a lifetime, you know, four plus decades of playing golf, there's wear and tear on the hips and the knee and the shoulders and everything else. And then you add his accidents and his personal problems. I'm skeptical on him getting back to uh, anything close to what he ever was. How I think he'll be remembered, I think is twofold. One, the greatest golfer of all time who played the game more dominantly for a long stretch than anyone in the history of the game, including Jack Nicholas, who does have more majors than he does. But by the standards of dominance against – I would argue Jack Nicholas did not have nearly as many players of his close, close to his talent, talent caliber back when he was playing. All due respect, one of the greatest of all time, of course. But Tiger came along at a time where there were more guys vying for bigger money, and he personally made it. He's not only that most dominant golfer ever. He changed the economics of his own sport. If you look at what guys were playing for in terms of purses in the 1980s compared to what they played for in the 2000 and beyond, that is a byproduct of Tiger Woods raising interest in the game and drawing people to the game and participants to the game. So changing, changing the economics of your sport is, is on his resume somewhere. From a personal perspective, I would add this. I think he's a great example of going from a horrible father and a bad person, not an exaggeration, to a great father and a good person. And he, you, you all probably know some of his upbringing. Some consider it in, an inspirational upbringing. Some consider it an unhealthy, bordering on psychotic upbringing, what his dad did to him. And I'm no child psychology expert, so I'll leave that to, the, to everybody else. It was, of course, something that produced, helped produce one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen. There's yeah. no doubt that his dad putting those, that golf club in his hand at two years old or whatever, and he's this prodigy on you know, late-night TV shows at four years old. Of course, there was a benefit to that. But he also had a hard time making friends, and he was considered a jerk by most of his colleagues. He only had a few friends on the PGA Tour. And he was obviously a horrible husband and a bad dad. And as someone with kids, I don't think there's any more important job in any of our existences, if you have children, than being a good parent. 
and seeing him go from a truly lousy dad to an absolutely invested dad, I admire that a lot. So it's a, it's a complicated tombstone, if you will, for someday with Tiger Woods or writing his obituary, if you will. But there's a, an extraordinary amount of good in there. And obviously, there's a lot of complications along the way. And yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, Dave. I, I know a lot of the, the major networks we watch, they seem like they forget that whole, whole part prior to his Thanksgiving you know, issues. So I'm glad you kind of brought that back because I, I agree with everything you said. Um, now, before Sean probably asked a more serious question, <laughs> I did want to get, your, get your, your yardage on your drive. I can only see you from the shoulders up here, but you look like a pretty healthy – Healthy, healthy man. <laughs> so I was just curious what you like to peg your, you know, off the tee. What are you sitting? Are you going for on a par five? You laying no, up? Like, what is, no. What's your strategy? Sadly, I played every sport growing up, virtually every sport, but I did not play golf until I moved to North Carolina and a lot of my friends played golf. So because I played baseball for 20 years, if we played golf together, you would look at me and say, that's a baseball swing, which is not a compliment on a golf course. <laughs> now the good news is I've, I've gotten to play more golf in the last year than maybe the last decade combined because it's just the way my career has gone. Uh, so it's been a blessing in many ways. If I shoot bogey golf, meaning 90 on most courses, that's a pretty good round. If I'm playing brilliantly, I could dip into the eighties. If I play poorly, I could hit triple digits, uh, but I, I, I'm probably driving 220 okay something in that neighborhood which you know for a guy over 50 is pretty solid I, uh, I, I joked to my friends a couple years ago when i turned 50 uh you know i'm i'm half qualified for the seniors tour <laughs> <laughs> of course that other half i'm having a problem with but being 50 you know it's got to count it. for something <laughs> Oh, and I play a lot of golf with younger guys. I can't hit the ball the way they hit the ball. It's yeah. just uh, Connor. Connor asked that because he claims on a previous episode he hit a ball. How far? Three forty. Three. And it was confirmed by the person I was playing with. He cl he claims, and there's a witness, but I don't know. Now, it's when, a little... I, when I crush it, mine's going two fifty, two sixty, and that's that's crushing it when when the ground is dry. Yeah. <laughs> and the wind is behind me, and it's downhill. You know, and all that. No, I'm, I, I, even at my peak, I was not driving the ball 300 yards. Some of my younger buddies, though, it, it's all about the whipping action. And mm -hmm. <laughs> your bones just don't work as well when you get a little bit older. Those whipping days are over for me. Yeah. <laughs> so the, what I was going to say before to kind of wrap up the Tiger thing, it's almost like 1% of you has this hope, like, if somebody was to come back from this and just yep. – not win, just play yeah. in another major, it's him, right? You just, I, for me, I have like 1% in the back of my mind, like if it's anybody. I'm rooting for him. It's I him. I am. It's and true. remember, I forget exactly what the polls said, but when he had that, what was it, a 10-year gap with no majors. Yeah. And part of that, he wasn't playing at all, but it was still a decade-long gap. As he's getting older, a huge percentage of golf fans – when asked, is Tiger ever going to win another major, said no. And I was always one who said on my show and otherwise, I'm not betting against Tiger. He's yeah. too competitive. He's too skilled. At that point, I thought he could bounce back from those other injuries if he managed it properly. I thought his rebirth just as a human being might, might help him 
just a little balance in your life can actually be good. And sure enough, the guy puts on another green jacket after many counted him out. So maybe I'm counting him out one time too early. I've never given up on him before now. And even though I don't think he'll ever consistently play at that highest level again, if you ask me, will he ever win a major again? That's a, that's a closer call because that means you only got to do it for four days. And, and, you know, that might be if given his experience and his, you know, whatever not being afraid of the moment is, I, I mean, in any sport, any athlete, any era, there is no one who's been less afraid of the moment than Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, you know, most human beings feel the intensity of the moment. That guy has a different kind of blood running through his veins. He's different for sure. All right, next question to ask Yardback comes from Mike, and we're switching up again. So uh, which of the proposed NFL rules do we like the best? Now, Sean, I'm going to kick it to you because I know you had the list of them. So if you want to read them off, we can kind of uh, dig a little deeper. So the ones I found were the 17th game, yep. the roughing the passer review, timeline for coaching interviews, the it feels like annual onside kick review and then the overtime change i don't know if you guys saw that overtime change but that is one yeah the the overtime ones go over quickly basically uh start of overtime uh their teammate team a and team b though whoever wins the coin toss gets to pick the yard line that they want to start on and then the second team gets to pick if they want to play offense or defense so that's kind of crazy. I, I mean, Sean, you and I were talking before you even got on the show. Just go to college overtime rules. Those are the I Just best. go to college. I think Those college overtime, I would have the NFL start. I would have them start at the 40 because at that range, you're looking at a, what, a 57-yard field goal, which is on the, on the fringe. So you need the first down to have a realistic field goal. And then you're guaranteed the game's going to win on a walk-off, whether it's a field goal or a yeah. touchdown, you know, so that's going to be electric. So I, I don't know why they – maybe, DG, if you have some insight, why would they not go to college overtime rules? It feels like college overtime has it figured out. Yeah, I think they view that as too gimmicky. I was glad to see when the NFL moved away from the pure coin toss a few years ago. Yeah. And when, remember, there were just too many games – where the team that won the toss would kick a field goal. And then logically, you just don't want the outcome of a coin flip to matter that much. You just yeah. don't want somebody's season to end that way. So I thought it was a, a, a favorable tweak when they said, okay, if the team that wins the toss gets only a field goal, the other team still gets a possession, right? That was a step in the right direction. Out of the list that you guys put together, I am intrigued by that very unconventional, very outside-the-box tweak, further tweak to the overtime yeah. rule because I, I just think it adds some brain power and some strategy in a way that I hadn't thought of before. I mean, I wasn't sure what I thought of years ago when they tweaked the extra point. I was like, do I really want to see that? I guess they were just tired of boring and they wanted yeah. to make it less predictable. And yeah. the modern-day kickers were at, what, 99%. And it, it took started to take the fun out of the extra points. So now it's a longer kick, obviously. So that did make it more interesting, more our miss now. And, and I think there would be a whole lot of analytics and just pressure on the coach to have the feel of the game. Every game is unique. 
And what would you pick? Because obviously where, what yard line you pick dares the other guy to say, well, if you're going to put the ball there, yeah, I want to go on offense. Or if you're going to put it way back there, you know, I'm not going to want to go on offense. I haven't thought through all that yet, but I would be fascinated yeah. to see the decisions that those guys made. And I guess that's one more thing to be intrigued guy by. I guess that's good for the NFL. Yeah. My, my, yeah. my initial thoughts on that overtime rule – I kind of like it because, you know, it, it is a little gimmicky, I suppose. So I don't know if NFL would actually do it. But um, I, I enjoy the fact that the coin toss doesn't just completely favor one team. You know, like that's kind of the issue now is that whoever wins the toss probably going to win the game. Um, so the coin toss, both teams kind of get a say in what happens. It has a little bit more strategy and it, it forces coaches to think on their feet, depending on where the other team wants to spot the ball. So. I'm all for it. I, I just, I just signed my name on the bottom of that. I like that. Yeah. Um, the other one for me that I like is the timeline for coaching interviews. Cause I feel like Eric B is going to get the shorthand of the stick for the next, you know, 10 years. It's going to feel like yeah. as long as Mahomes is that quarterback, cause you know, teams aren't going to wait in case he tells them no. And then four other coaches that were on their list signed elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. So, like, a guy that has to wait that long, and I know, Nolan, you're a, a Bills fan. Um, Relax. Brian Dable, right? Is that his name, the, the coordinator out there? Yeah, Dable, yeah. I mean, he's going to be in the same boat. He didn't sign anywhere, right? He's still out in Buffalo. Yeah. So, I mean, he's another guy that looks like he's going to be in that playoff run for the next five years. So, that I like that, waiting for everybody after the season, everyone starts and, and go. Yeah, definitely. All right. Time to get into the last ask yard back question. All right, Justin. Sean. Sean, do you want do you have this one up? You want to read it? I feel <laughs> no, like you, I, you read it. You, you are, read it? <laughs> you're a wordsmith. You, you go ahead and do that. All right. So so this one's a little bit out there. Uh, shout, sh- shout out Justin. Uh, so I'm gonna paint you the picture. The scene is present day. You're applying for your dream job, NFL GM. Your wife can't contain her excitement. She's been with you since your heyday back in high school. She stayed with you even through your jock stage a stage full of egoism and cockiness. Luckily for you, she's remained loyal through your immaturity and is mandating that you get a suit tailored specifically for your potential new job. So Justin wants to know, what are you rocking? He wants the details from top down, <laughs> bow tie, tie, vest, no vest, what color suit, shoot, or what color suit, Shirt, shoes, do you want like a top hat? What items are you bringing? Do you wear a watch? All the he, the full nine yards. Dream job interview, NFL GM. I have been guys wearing. I, don't I have been thinking. So we'll I'm so over. pumped because I'm rocking. I'm just going to go first, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm rocking the all black suit like um, Keanu Reeves. John Wick. John Wick. I'm coming in all black. Hair slick bag with an all black cane with gator shoes and the size of my pants and vest and shirt. All of it is going to be a slim. So I'm coming in looking fitted, <laughs> looking nice, looking tight. Um, I don't know if I'll have a hat on because of my hairline. Yeah, true. Could go ahead and throw that on, cover that up, make me look younger. Um, but I'm going for the full on John Wick all black, maybe like a fuchsia pink tie just to like make Spice him confused like is this guy is this whoa what's up with this guy yeah. you know so i'm going john wick that's what i'm aiming for real fitted just crazy looking just like all that. black tough connor what about you 
I haven't put much thought into this. I was wow, this is wow. <laughs> dude. Come on, it's a dream wow. job, man. I mean, a I Nike still, sweatsuit. I mean, that's I'm either thinking like I show up too important for the job because I know what I'm worth, right? Like I'm yeah. showing up, <laughs> showing up with sweat jumpers, all that. But the other side of me is I like my fashion, so I, I'd probably do navy suit. I'm a big navy suit guy. Yeah, and depending really cool. on what team it is. Just has some subtleties in the tie and the rest of the attire. Um, and then the most important part of the wardrobe would be a watch, though. Ooh. The watch and socks, I would definitely get really flair with. But the, the total ensemble, pretty cut back, down to business. Uh, I'd probably get the job, and they probably wouldn't let me walk out of the office without saying, Mr. Hopkins, would you like to take this job? So, so, what, so I'm envisioning Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Is that it? No, I don't. I, I was between that or like Austin Powers. Like I didn't know what what you were going for. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd be like the Rock with his turtleneck, like showing up. Really. Oh, the, the, oh, the, there the, you the go. Like in the chain. Yeah, that yeah, would be kind of slick. I, this place. I don't. I don't know. Something like that. I, it depend on the team, the friend. I I take a pulse of the field, see what the owners like, see what the GMs, or you, yeah, I just get a pulse for it. Go off of that. All right. Respect. Uh, all right, I'll I'll go next. Dave, we'll let you finish it off. All right. Um, so what I'm doing is, first I'm waiting to see. Uh, I'm watching the Patriots uh, post game presser. I'm seeing what Cam Newton's rocking that day, and I'm buying exactly whatever he bought. And I'm wearing that for <laughs> my job interview. I, the, the first picture that popped up on Google Images, all yellow suit with like a big like sun hat, top hat thing. I. Give me that. You should just get a big wheel week one through 14 in a year and just go. And like just whatever, spin, whichever one, yeah. week 11 of a certain year, that's what you got to wear. That, that, that might be the craziest. And the only, only professional athletes can dress like that. You know what I'm saying? Like if I showed up to my like internship wearing that, I'd probably get laughed <laughs> out of the building. But if I'm applying for a GM job, I'm coming there with that swagger, that, that cockiness, and I'm wearing like Cam Newton style. Oh, I got, I got the job. <laughs> I got the job. <laughs> It's funny, guys. I've become more of a laid-back Caribbean Tommy Bahama-style dresser. Love it. And I think it's because I went to 12 years of Catholic school where I had to wear a tie every day. And in high school, it was a potent tie every day for four years at an all-boys school. So I have all sorts of mental scars from all that. (laughs) So whereas my day-to-day – one of the reasons as an attorney I didn't go into a courtroom all that often was because I didn't want to have to dress up all that often. But whereas day-to-day is sandals, you know, wear socks as little as possible, uh, when I do have to get dressed up for something like this, it, I sound like a sports radio host when I say this, but one of my sponsors is a company called Alton Lane. And they were created by some UVA guys, but it is – I used to joke that wearing one of their suits was more expensive than the car I owned when I met my wife. <laughs> and it's only a slight exaggeration. But because they were a sponsor at the time, I got some duds on the cheap, right? Because I was repping them. So I, I honestly, guys, I'm from kind of a blue collar background. My wife is incredibly stylish. I mean, off the charts. But my joke is I've gone from my mom dressing me to my sister's dressing me to my wife dressing me to my daughter dressing me. Right? <laughs> so 
the closest I come to style is when somebody who knows what they're talking about gives me three options. At least I am capable of saying no to A and B, <laughs> C. but I need them to sort of lead the horse to water. Yeah. So Alton Lane did that for me. And guys, the le- no, I'm not kidding when I say this. I stepped into a 3D body imaging machine and they took data from that and made my suit based on, you know, they're not asking 42 regular or 34 waist or whatever. That's like kindergarten math. Wow. They had more numbers. Like I didn't know I had that many dimensions, but they (laughs) do make you feel bionic when they put you in this and you you're like, you just made a middle-aged man feel like he's (laughs) wearing Superman's cape, you know? So I actually liked uh, the, uh, what Connor said with the Navy blue. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, maybe a white shirt, a base white shirt, but blend in whatever colors of the team that's trying to hire you. That oh, never see, that, that's a good point. That's uh, a good point. But my favorite Alton Lane has, a, has one shade of blue for the jacket, no tie, uh, darker blue slacks, uh, just kind of some old-fashioned wingtip style black shoes, stylish socks. But it, it's, it's Alton Lane all the way for me, man. They, they – they, they bring you in and there's like a bar and sports on TV and beverages <laughs> and, and then they just have this expert talking to you. I, I'm like, talk to me like I'm in kindergarten, you know, just yeah. <laughs> explain things. But it's to the point where you pick the threads that each individual button of your button up shirt, you're picking the color for those threads to match whatever your jacket looks like and your pants look like and, I'm like, I didn't know there were this oh, many variables. So I'll mostly go, go with the flow. I, I would definitely consult with my wife on my way to that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And I'd probably bring a big binder with every idea I had for that franchise uh, and hope that that impressed the decision maker as well. Any like accessories? It. You bring any accessories? The binder? The binder. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not going to have a diamond encrusted cane or a top hat. I got, I'm kind of a low key dude by, by nature. So yeah, the binder is probably more my personality. I want to show that guy that I have thought about every nook and cranny of his organization. And I, I'm going to have an opinion about the fourth string left tackle. Yeah. And I'm going to bring it all in that binder, baby, and hope it's, it shows how much I've cared and prepared. Yeah, love it, love it. All right, any any final thoughts, guys? Any any final questions for uh, for Dave? No, man. Just appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Yes, yeah. a lot yeah. of fun, boys. Good, yeah. yeah. Huge, huge thanks. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad we found out Steph Curry's not the worst human being. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to tell you this, man. It's been four years. You got, you got to let the hate for Steph go, man. Oh, got to let it go. It's fun let a lot. It <laughs> we figured out that Brooklyn Decker is hot. Yeah, <laughs> and that uh, Adam Sandler is funny. I, I really hit you guys with some uh, some real breaking news. I guess <laughs> we we brought um, my almost uh, fame on your show to light. Yes, I'll, I'll let you know about that. Yeah. yeah, the world had to know about that. Uh, we we got some good info on March Madness, so hopefully win some money this year. Yeah, uh, but if I, if I don't, if we don't, yeah, we're not going to come back at you. Don't worry. We're not <laughs> <gonna be mad. laughs> I'll, I'll give you a face, fake email address to send all your complaints. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> we'll do. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Appreciate it. Um, hopefully, you know, looking forward to having you on again sometime. Talk, talk well, I admire what you guys are doing. I love the fun factor that y'all obviously incorporate into your style. So just keep being your best selves. And if I can ever help as a guest or in any other way, I'm happy to do it. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is all the time we have for this week's episode. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Dave Glenn. Again, it was amazing. He talked he talked a lot about college basketball. We talked about football, golf, everything, the whole nine yards. He was amazing. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Yardback underscore sports. Look us up on Facebook at Yardback Sports. Again, I'll say it every week. We got this Facebook group. If you're listening and you're not in this Facebook group, what are you doing? Uh, join that group. We're always talking in there. That's where we get our Ask Yardback questions from. So make sure to do that. For Shawnee Q and C Boogie, the Chouse God, my name is Nohop, and we will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.